Hi, and welcome back to Transvox. It's a delight to be back with you again. Uh, my name is Gillian. Hi, and I'm Jenny, and yes, it's absolutely brilliant to be back. Episode three. Who thought, eh? Three. I mean, three, you know, yeah. Blimey. Do, is it time for a party yet? Not quite, but it's um, it's certainly a small milestone. Okay, that's I like it. I like a, I like a triadic number. So we're here today to talk about all things trans and um, and also to j- do- donate any money that we can make via our Patreon page, which is uh, Transvox, as as I said earlier, uh, to our nominated charity. And uh, Jan has chosen for our first many episodes the charity. Which one is it, Jan? It's Beyond Reflections. Brilliant charity supporting trans non-binary people uh, in the UK. Great, superb. So how's how's well? It's a week since our last podcast. It'll be a little mm. bit longer before our next one. But how's your week been? No, it's not too bad. Busy with work. You know, I'm a, tra- a part of my job is a trade union rep, and um, I'm in the NHS. And as you can imagine, things are, are complicated. So um, yes, I've been busy doing that bit, and yeah, work's been busy. It's good. I like being busy. Good. There is something pleasing about being busy because actually, I don't know about you what you think, but um, it's it's very people often think of this, don't they? This this challenge with time, you know, if you don't if you don't have structured time, it's actually quite hard to manage yourself, isn't it? And I think being trans initially for me, you end up with that position about being frightened to go out to a certain extent. Um, you're not really comfortable in either role because it's, it's easy to be one thing, but you're trying to be something else. You're sort of forcing yourself a bit. And um, you can be really uncomfortable at the beginning when time is not structured. It's much easier for me at work because, of course, I come into work, I sit down, I have meetings like this, and I'm there all day. I dash out to the disabled person's loo every now and then because I'm still too frightened to go to get the female loo, come charging back into my office, <laughs> keep my head down, and then if I need to go shopping, I can. But it's it's this unstructured time bit is the challenge. I mean, how, how did you find that? I've... Listen, I've never been very good at time management to start with, but yeah, if thinking about when I was at sort of that point of almost sort of live, it feel like it, that sort of two lives lived and uh, in parallel and at the same time. Um, yeah, I did find that very difficult, um, you know, particularly work, fitting that around work, you know, because for a time nobody knew who I was, you know, they knew me as somebody else at work. Um and just the general bit around that before I sort of came out of that sort of slight deceptive feeling like you're slightly deceiving people was difficult, you know. So not wanting to, you know, not wanting to be spotted or something when I was out and about, yeah. and that time was was difficult. Gets easier, much easier once you transition. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I'm thinking about the work thing. So if you work for an organisation, how? Because I don't work for an organisation. I have my own business, which has its own series of difficulties, which I'll come to later. But if you're working in an organisation, and I've seen my own clients handle this, what, what's the sort of process for trans people? How, how does it sort of work? It's difficult. I mean, I think things are very are different now than, than when I transitioned. I, I hope they are anyway. I work for the, the NHS, or have done for all my life. So really big organisations. Um, so I... Um, Mine, there wasn't a sensible process of support back in 2005. So I just told everybody I was going to transition. And then one one weekend I did. Mm. Um, I think now there is much more structure, yeah. certainly with bigger, decent employers. There's some, you should have be good to have some policies. Um, good employers will have a policy about how to support um, an employee who's transitioning and, and what their needs 
you know, to make sure that they've got control yeah. and make sure it's handled with support and sensitivity because that's really important because in the past too many trans people on transitioning would leave the job to try and start afresh. Yeah. So uh, I think things are better, but but still nowhere near where they need to be. No. My understanding with larger organisations is HR should be your friend and you go and see HR, you can work out a plan yeah. a campaign, you can figure out how you're going to communicate it, the practicalities of the approach and I suppose how you deal with your manager and such like. And do you think HR should push that forward process forward or should they facilitate your own process? What what do you think I should think, be the style? Hey, hey, the, what, we, what we've always said, and I've, I've done some delivered training sessions to HR, our people is it's important the trans person's got control over particularly over who and when and how that's good people are going to be told and then some of those practicalities it, it is you know it's absolutely wrong for anybody to be pushed into a decision you know if somebody was saying well we need to know well no let the person let the trans person do it at their pace transition at work is a big step you know it's a big challenge it's some in many cases the biggest challenge that somebody will face yeah you know so um hr should be there to support and facilitate and understanding the responsibilities in law, but more than that, understanding the right thing to do to support the individual. Yeah. I mean, can can your workplace stop you transitioning? No. No. There's no, no not in law. Absolutely not. Um, you're, you're protected under the Equality Act um, as somebody who's transitioning. So the Equality Act makes it very clear you're not to be treated discriminated or treated badly because of your gender identity. So um, there is protection there. So of course, but, you know, recognizing that obviously, you know, colleagues need to be told, um, you know, in, in certain circumstances, you may be going to visit customers or somebody else and and, you know, and they might want to, to be told or not, you know, um, there's all sorts of complications around it, around yeah. it, but it's a very important as a conversation. If it, HR to be involved, it's a conversation with the individual to make sure they're supported and what they feel is, yeah. is necessary. What what happens if, you've hit on a really interesting point there. So mm. what happens if, um, and I know we're sort of just, you know, talking about imponderables. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But what happens if HR says something on the lines of, well, it's fine to be, a, it's fine to be trans in the office, but actually if, if you go out to see clients, we'd prefer you to stay in your male role what or female role if you transition the other way what what's the situation there well i just think that that would be totally unacceptable and i can't right. see any circumstances it would be as bizarre to me as going to any employee and tell them oh by the way you've got to go dress in the opposite gender when you go to work that yeah um i can't see any circumstances where that's acceptable because transitioning is transit you know when we talk about transitioning in in, in, in total we talk about your whole life so yeah. to then be expected to somehow play that down or even be told oh we'd like you just tone down your makeup or your clothes or something that's unacceptable as long as you're adhering to the standards of the organization for mm. all staff be that male female non-binary that's the only thing that matters that absolutely I'm, i've not heard of cases like that it doesn't mean it doesn't happen um it really it really doesn't um i think the biggest problem is i read a survey that there's many employers won't employ a trans person in the first place yes and they find that way and there is some discrimination i think uh, with their particular i think in the retail sector would a would a women's fashion store employer a trans woman well, they yes. should do with well, this discrimination against the law, but in reality, does that happen? Yeah. You know, and and you know that's that that's that's a tricky thing. Is and I suppose there's a duty of care thing if you're, I don't know if you're trans, if you have a very I don't know a very heavy manual lifting job or something, you know, or I don't know if you're in a, 
you're on a, in an all male environment and you transition. I don't know, submarine or something. I, I can't think of one off the top of my head. But I suppose, I suppose this. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I've always thought that, and perhaps this is my own background, that actually there's there's room for compromise. That the militant trans stance might not help here. Something about the corporate world is about coming I'm, to I'm, a point where I'm not uh, and I'm sure looking. I, I'm looking yeah. at you arguing with you already. So you carry on. I don't regard myself as I don't regard myself as militant. I think yeah. it's really but, you know I mean. um, but I understand. I understand the point you're making, and I, I guess I'd, I don't think it's a militant for somebody to be who they are. Yeah. And I don't think in this day and age there's any jobs. There are no jobs. That, yes, if you were, you know, if due to maybe you're on hormone therapy and you, you you may not be able to lift as big weights. But yeah, every job's done by men and women now, right? And in the forces as well. So I, I don't see circumstances where that should have any impact. Yes, of course, in different. I was lucky being in the NHS, you know, it's a, it's a nice atmosphere and, you know, I had problems, but generally people were really supportive and I can, I know do people that work in different industries that might find it more difficult. That's yeah. no excuse for not doing the right thing. Um, and I don't think it's militant. I don't think it's militant to say, this is who I am and I want to be who I am at work. Yes. Yeah. It's interesting. I suppose. Yes. Interesting. I mean, I haven't worked in a large organisation for, for a long time, but I get the sense that large organisations in particular are quite wel welcoming and quite accepting. I used to work with a financial services company down in the West Country who, um, as a client, and they and I met trans people on my courses and they told me how well they've been looked after and such like, and it was, you know, it was very uplifting to hear that. But I wonder sometimes about smaller companies, uh, you know, small family organisations, uh, because you get the, and if you get one member of the family transitioning, you know, the the law, I just wonder whether hiding behind the law is always the thing, or there just has to be a negotiation sometimes, and, and there needs to be compromise. I, I, I've i never had, I, I can see what you mean. I mean, I think the challenges in big organisations are colleagues rather than, I think, you know, big organisations. You know, public sector organisations ought to have decent policies to support. Yeah. It's actually whether you're accepted by your, your, your colleagues and whether uh, there are problems in, within work. And that, I think, is, it can be the pressures. So I don't let us go that it's easy for everybody, because it's not. Small companies may not have policies, may not have education. That's where the problem, I think, uh, I think comes. I, I, I don't see what circumstances. Yes, there needs to be conversations about you doing your job, but... Um, I don't see if I was pitching at work, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to be working as a as a woman. Um, how on what circumstances would there need to be um, in the main some com, some um, compromise on my part as working yeah. as a woman? The, the you know we do enough to to accommodate other people, but actually you know I don't know how that quite works, right? Mm. Um, I you need you know so yes, there may be some practicalities, and I know these are hypotheticals, but. I'm thinking there's yeah, yeah. a family bit there's a family business. You work with your your father and your mother, and you're currently a female and you want to transition to be a man, and yeah. they don't accept your journey anyway, then that would be a problem at work as well, wouldn't it? I mean, maybe that's yeah, a yeah, example. of course, in those circumstances, yeah. but they might not even if they weren't related, you might have people with if you're working with a very small employer, you're yeah. absolutely right. It can be really difficult if yeah. you know, in a small employer, your colleagues don't accept and you haven't got a HR department or you haven't got a process or you're not in a trade union as a trade unionist would say to give you some support because that's what i'd always say you know speak to your union but um yes don't get me wrong in small employers it can be 
for anybody of difference, right? Yes. For anybody of difference, I think it can be more challenging to negotiate that in terms of getting, you know, make getting yourself and uh, making sure you're being accepted and treated right. Um, if you haven't got backup functions, that is definitely true. I agree. Yes. And I, I found it in a different world because, of course, I work in the independent sector, so I have my own business yeah. and people, um, you know, I've talked to, to potential clients about this and they've said, well, we'll find a way of not hiring your company because actually they don't have to give a reason then. So it's a bit like the hiring someone is to be a full-time member of staff. It's very easy to unhire if you're a contractor or you're something along those lines because you have no protections because there's a, just a contract. Of course. I, yeah. I can see that. It's not a world I know about in a sense, no. to any great extent. I imagine if you're you know, a sole trader employer and you feel that people, you know, with, with what's happening with um, some of the negativity towards trans people in the UK just at the moment, that you might find that difficult. I'm not that there's yeah. a def there's definitely challenges in that area and your law covers some things but how it covers the circumstance like that, I'm not yeah. I, I'm not sure there is I mean there is discrimination law about you know it would be wrong for a company not to serve somebody because they're trans for instance that would yeah. be covered under the um under the law you know you so th there is elements of law that would cover but you know somebody just doesn't want to offer a contract and but it's important isn't it because as you say um a job is often fundamental self-esteem it's fundamental to our financial wherewithal or housing you know often people awesome. have maybe if they're younger and they've told the parents or the parents haven't liked it they moved them out of the house they've got to have a there's got to be that security somewhere isn't it where we are protected and and it's actually it's maybe something i don't know maybe it's something to think about that you go and work for an organization that has is particularly welcoming you know, I know in the States, everybody rushes to work for Starbucks, don't they? Because they're very welcoming to trans people. But, you know, I, I, I but why know. not be strategic? There's, there's no harm in that, is there? No, but, um, yeah, I, I, there's some sense. I can understand that. But the very difficulty is getting a job in the first place if you're trans, yeah. you know. That's the difficulty, you know. And the, the survey I read, sort of a third of employers said, they wouldn't hire a trans person, even though that ought to be illegal. This was a survey from 2018, I think some yeah. solicitors, Crossland solicitors, I think, did this survey. So there's evidence there that employers will just find a way of not employing your interview. Okay. Yeah. They may not explicitly say it's because you're trans. Um, now that should be unlawful. You know, the Equality Act says that. You can't discriminate somebody because they're trans, yeah. um, because of their gender identity. So um it's good in theory, but getting another job is, is more is more difficult. There's some, I mean, I can understand why people are trying to start again where colleagues didn't know them previously. I can see some some sense in that, you know, that you haven't got to explain your transition. And if you go start somewhere new and you start yeah. somewhere new as a man or a woman, you know, afresh a, a in that respect, I can see yes. the, the sense in that. But getting a job when you're, you're trans is, yes. can be difficult. It scares me if I was ever out of work yes. um, to try and get another job. So, so let's say you've got, let's say you've, you've announced that you've gone to HR, you've gone through the process, they've, they've been very accommodating, they've spoken to your manager, your manager's on board, there's an announcement, you know, everybody changes your email, passwords, IT being on board, you know, all the sort of stuff. But then just someone in the team doesn't accept it. Maybe they say they've got religious things, maybe they've got whatever, but they, they sort of dead name you, which I, uh, which I understand is calling you your own na old name, or they deliberately use the wrong pronouns. I mean, what can you, what can you do around that when it's, well, what can you do around that, I suppose? So it's, it's, inter it's interesting. I mean, 
you know, without want to get into two in the weeds, we can do another podcast about the complicated law around around this and what's deemed as protected beliefs if you have a religious or or what some people term gender critical belief. And without getting into that, anything where you're treating somebody badly that's going to upset them at work could be deemed as harassment, and then that could be dealt with by um, disciplinary and grievance policies. So that you know, the, the law the law is quite clear on that. If somebody deliberately kept misgendering me or dev naming me at work. That would be harassment, yeah. you know. And, the, and now we've got a policy in our our employers that make that very clear. Now that's not the same as somebody accidentally, you oh, know, naming yeah. which is still very hurtful and can be harmful. Um, but somebody deliberately, you know, they can hold that view, but it doesn't mean they can express it in the workplace. Yeah. Um, in, in my view, and that could lead lead people further through, as I say, through through sanctions in in that way, and, and rightly so. So, so that's interesting, you see, because that leads me on to a, a mediation case that I carried out many, mm. uh, many years ago, some years ago, uh, and it was it was a trans person who was being deliberately dead named by a person who said it was an invasion of their religious beliefs because they didn't believe in the concept of transgenderish, trans transgender people, and you had and you had a battle between religious beliefs and identity beliefs. And um, and the organisation had to to deal with that, and I found that fascinating because I was the mediator and had to excuse myself because of course my own vested interests in that. But it it was actually quite an interesting challenge because often at work you are, we are dealing with different right different people's rights and responsibilities and balancing them against each other, aren't we? Um, I can see those circumstances, and you know, there's been cases in the past. I think there was a. Uh, somebody refused to give a, a, a marriage ceremony to, some, to same sex couples it was yeah. against their religion. But that, sorry, that's your job. You have to do that. So, you know, uh, you can hold that belief, but that, that doesn't mean um, you can express it at work. I mean, another yeah. allergy could be a, a vegan working at McDonald's. You can hold the belief for veganism, but you can't refuse to flip yes. the burgers, I guess. Yes. Um, and, and if your employer says you, as the policy should be, this is how you treat your colleagues. Right then, you you say, well, I don't care because I don't believe they are who they are. Um, then you know that could that would could be could be deemed as harassment. So that yes, could be an issue. I so you, I, I in my view, the law is 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 clear enough to protect that. Um, I'm I'm not saying it, it doesn't happen, but yeah, um, it's just like anything else. If you were to deliberately call somebody a name they didn't want to be called, and for no, and it isn't. There's no good reason, you know. There is no good reason. Um, you might not ex- you might not accept that people's gender is is you know people um, um, can be transgender. You might not accept, accept that. There are people I'm not going to persuade of that. But how does that matter? How you treat them and call them at work? You call them yeah. how they wish, and and, and the true and the employer has said that's how we'd like you to refer to that person. Yes, with those pronouns and with that name. And there's an issue of disclosure as well that you have your right for your gender identity history not to be disclosed. So if somebody you? you have you, you have that. that right because once you've transitioned, you have it is not the right for somebody then to go around and say, oh, by the way, Jenny's trans. Or, and if you were to call me by my dead name, you would be potentially disclosing my gender identity. We've a right to that. We've also a right to that as patients. You know that is that is our right for that not to be disclosed. Yeah. Um, you know, without with you know in, in, in circumstances like that, you know, um, just in day to you know in day to day to day, right? So it's actually um, quite encouraging. And I'm guessing, I mean, the key here, I suppose, in the process is that if you manage it well with HR and you're honest with them and set 
you know, realistic timetable about how this works and you get the managers involved. It's, it's one of communication, isn't it? And acceptance and people, you know, having res- fundamental respect and why wouldn't you want a trans person there? Because they're bringing their whole self to work. And one would assume that that person's going to be potentially more productive and happier in the role and very grateful to an organisation that manages the process skillfully and with respect. Yeah, of course, it pays it back. You treat your, any, any decent employer should know that you treat your employees well. Uh, it reflects well as you're an employee. Uh, I, I think it reflects well on my employers that they um, accept, treated me well when I transitioned to the whole workforce, the people that see me um, visibly trans within the NHS. And, you know, when I said to them, actually, I'm treated well by my employers, that reflects well on the whole employer as well. The whole reputation of the employer is, is, is elevated by that. But there's definite studies that show how productive, how much happier trans people are who, really? who, who, who I, wish to transition. Seriously, they really are. Yeah, they, they really are into average earnings, everything else and productivity go up because they're, they're not living, having to live with, mm. you know, um, how difficult it can be if you're not able to transition. Um, you know, the, the, the mental anguish of that that can be that then can start to affect your work like, any, like anything else. But once you're able to be yourself, yeah. um, you know, I was wait, I gained more confidence after I transitioned. Right. Once, you know, once the first, you know, a few weeks are a bit tricky, but once you settle in and realise you're accepted, it's absolutely liberating and I, I like to think I was a better more productive employee from that moment on yeah I mean it's for other people to say but yeah so it's absolutely the right thing to do isn't it I mean you yeah. know it's, it's it's there's no it's sense and, and and I think employers certainly the NHS employers understand that I can only really speak for my for my employer um and I think if I look you know and I, I do look at what's happening in some of the bigger private sector employees are absolutely right um so yeah, yeah. Um, it is. It is interesting how some of the. I mean, if you look on LinkedIn, you'll see some of the um, people who are, you know, you know, name worthy who work for big banks and the yeah. for, you know insurance sector and such like. There is a, there is a, obviously a very big community of people who are trans out there who are in work, who have good jobs, decent jobs, and who are able to make this work. So it is actually really encouraging. And it may well be that if you're working for someone who doesn't respect you, doesn't value you enough to help you transition, that's giving you good information about the value of that employer in the first place. And and then we're well, in definitely. a world now, aren't we, where you know people don't necessarily put pay at the top of the list. People want meaning. And if if you can't I mean being yourself is the ultimate form of meaning, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, every employer will, every certainly every si- mid to sizable employer will have somewhere a set of values or something that, of their employer, but they don't mean anything unless you live them, live them. So you know, and they'll say very much similar things about about treating people as individual, treating with kindness, you know, treat, you know, treating their employees well. It doesn't mean anything if this, if that's tested by somebody coming to say to you, "Look, I need to transition. I need a bit of help." Yeah. You know, really decent employers will go that extra step. They'll give the, get, make sure that the person has time off if they need to go for medical appointments. A good employer will do that. A good employer will make sure they go every step, recognising that there can be it can be really stressful and anxiety-inducing and a challenge to transition, you know, with your colleagues at work. I mean, yeah. so a good employer will not only just do the bit to change all the documents, which they've got to do, make sure everything's changed, but they will go further. You know, and a good employer, and that will be paid back. Yeah. You know, in productivity. You know, and as a pair of trans women, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's very hard to understand the other journey, the trans mask um, sort of journey. I wonder, 
are there different sorts of challenges that work for 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 that, those people, or are they following the same process? To to a no, I think extent? for bio, if we talk about binary trans people, it is you know the, the experience is very similar. You know, um, you know, um, I can't say the same for everybody because people have different experiences. But you know, on the simple basics, if you're pitching up at work, presenting differently with a different name, using different pronouns, you know, the challenge challenges there to to be accepted and be able to do your job. So for trans men, they, you know, and I know a number of trans men through my work and they will, the challenges that they talk about are exactly the same challenges. There's, I think there's, there are cha those challenges for non-binary people as well as a challenge of a lack of understanding for non-binary people. We can probably yeah. talk about that or, or you maybe have somebody that's got more experience of that to talk about in, in future podcasts, but um, there are, the challenges are equal there, but there, there may be some differences, but, Yes, I mean, I, I don't see that there's a difference between for, for trans men and trans women ultimately um, at work. I think it, it depends, I guess, on the workforce you're in. If the workforce is predominantly male or predominantly female, that may present challenges. Challenges yes. whether you're a trans man or a trans woman. I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean that that must be really tricky, mustn't it? I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, years and years and years ago, I used to work on an organisation full of women. It was 1,100 women, and yeah. At the time, eight guys, and um, I mean, transitioning there must have been quite must have been one would assume it would be easier. Um, but but that's a false assumption, isn't it? Because no, no, it's... I don't think I don't. I, I, yeah, I don't think it is. I don't think it. I don't think it is. It, the, the 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 challenge is whether your colleagues will be accepting and yes. and, uh, and embrace you and support you. Uh, that's the challenge. I think you know. I work in a an NHS that's eighty percent female workforce something like that 70 80 percent female workforce um I, I don't think that in a sense sense impacted as much as right. you know my job was my challenge i remember was um, my job is going to lots and lots of meetings as a trade union rep and seeing different people and i couldn't there was no way i could have said to everybody i'd come into contact with and you know transitioning so I, I i did have to end up surprising one or two people who were suddenly talking to me and not realized who who I was, I remember, I remember a, a, a guy called the work Ian. I hadn't been able to tell him, and somebody I worked with closely, and he came into the office my first first day, and I looked completely different. Back mm. then, I had to wear a wig because my hair was too short. I don't know, and I was dressed very different, and he didn't know who it was, and he was stood next to me, and I said, "Oh, I'm really sorry, Ian. I meant to tell you this is who I am now." And he went, "Why?" Because it was just such a shock because yeah. he had never expected it. it was just that shock he was entirely supportive but I did feel bad because I hadn't hadn't had the chance to, to to tell him but um he was very kind after after that but now, that, that's, that's really interesting you say that you see because I I have a little dilemma because of course I'm meeting a work colleague an ex-client well a client a stroke ex-client of mine on on Wednesday and All I'm right. You know, I'm in that dial that horrible space at the moment of saying, you know, should I, should I let them know, or should I just rock up? Or I mean, what's the, what's the? I, I suppose I the courteous thing to do is pre-warn, isn't it? I think it, I did that, and I always did that um, as much as I could, because I didn't want some somebody else. I just wanted to. Yeah, uh, the one I remember uh, the only the one I can relate to is meeting a friend from mm. from the past who knew me previously with lost touch, and meeting my close friend, my childhood friend again, and you know making contact again and, and saying that I think, um, I, th I personally I do that, but I don't think I have to, but personally because I don't think there's any that says you have to, but I think, yeah, I think it would be 
I guess just so that they're you know just so that you're not taking having somebody having to be surprised. I guess I don't yes. I don't particularly like surprising people day to day or shot like that. So um, I, I do that, but I don't think there's any necessarily right or wrong. You judge the individual, you judge the the contact, you judge how they you you'll have an idea how accepting somebody will be. Yeah. I think. Um, yeah, I mean that's the the roller coaster transition in all those contacts, social work, everything else, everything at first is an adventure, you know. It's like, yeah. and it's fraught with well, I should I do or went to, but ultimately, if if you're on that path that you know you're going to transition, it'll have to happen at some point. Yes. Interesting. Well, uh, okay. Thank well, you. you have to let me know how that goes and what your well, decision. I, and then there's no right or wrong answer, Jill. Now I've got three meetings, and and I know if if I rock up like. Yeah, as myself, that I will lose all the work from one of those organisations. So it's mm, you know, then so you're into then you're into sort of doing quick changes in cupboards and such like you know, and that's it's like, so sad to hear that. I mean, well, you know, you know, I'm a pragmatist, and you have to sort of face these I, things. I, I guess, I, I guess, but yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll <laughs> I'll let you know how it goes. Um, so in the news this week, nothing more than the usual old nonsense and. Um, um, I just wonder what your view is on the media in general for um, towards towards us trans people and and why it's like it is. Oh God, my view is is more straightforward. Why I suppose it's a lot it's, it's a longer a longer answer because I think it goes back to it can go back for a few years. Um, it's at the moment it feels to me overwhelmingly hostile. Now I'm not saying every article in the news is hostile everything, but it feels. Um, I, I dread to look at the news when there's a trans article. Um, at the best, I think they're ill-informed. At the worst, I think they're trying to scaremonger us uh, about us and trying to to literally roll roll back our, our rights. It is, it is extraordinary because this was not the case ten years ago and fifteen years ago when I transitioned. So you know, um, I think it's overwhelming. I think it's damaging. It's damaging to all of us because. We're being subjected to this the bubble we live in and um you know and i where it's exhausting as much as anything i get exhausted by it yeah. you know um you know we're you know we're a tiny community that is just trying to live our lives that is no threat to anybody that we're just trying to live our authentic lives and help you know and be better people for us in ourselves because i'm a better person as a woman than i was as a man just trying to be better people yet the the over this relentless attack in, in in the press particularly um is extraordinary and and cruel um and nothing i can think that can compare it at the moment compared mm. even in the 80s with the the anti-gay press that you had with the gay panic and some of the tabloids um the the, the we were you know less than one percent of the population are, are, are trans and non-binary people i mean one of the bits of advice that people constantly hang at hand out is I don't read the media. It's Chris, all sorts of um, anxiety, just like. But I think sometimes we do have to read the media because we just need to be aware of what's been said and bandied around. Uh, or, I don't. I don't or, read or newspapers. Would, or would you not? Would you not do? That? I don't. I don't read the newspapers. In all honesty, but I, I'm on Twitter a lot. Love love a bit of Twitter, and um, and although I don't follow people going negative, a lot of stuff gets reported and I see it. Mm. And I have to. And I have to read. I want to know what's going on. I think it's akin to if I was in a room. And next door, there was a bunch of people talking about me and the wall was quite thin. Could I really not put my ear to the wall and listen to what they were going to say? You're going to do that. And that's the difficulty. I'd love to be able to ignore it. But when these things are threatening 
And I genuinely feel some of the language that's used is threatening my existence. And there was particularly something that's been reported from America just this last week at um, uh, a conservative, uh, yeah, Republican CPAC, they call it. It's a Republican, when I say conservatives, it's in America, it's Republican, of somebody who wanted to use, I hate the phrase transgenderism, but eradicate transgenderism is what they said. It's not a word I use because it's not an ism, you know, it's just a descriptive term. It's not a belief system being trans, it's who you are. But uh, the language that you use there is scary, you know. Um, there are people that have said similar things, you know. There's been written yeah. that they want to stop everybody being able to, to transition, is basically said. So with that sort of underpinning some of this, um, how on earth can't you listen to it? But yeah, it's yeah. not bad. It's not good for my health to do that. Yeah. I, I'd be much better switching off. But I think it's important to say that, yes, there's a lot of negativity. Yes, there's a lot of problems. But there are a lot of people out there who are ambivalent, don't care. And there's a lot of people out there who are supportive. And there's lots of other Absolutely. trans communities like ourselves and other people around there, or good organisations who are to, who are there to help people, aren't they? Because we don't have to fall through the cracks and be on our own all the time. We can reach out and help each other. I, I, I absolutely agree. And actually, the reality is people in the UK are far more positive than how the media portrays it. And in fact, it's surprising considering how much, um, you know, people, if you don't know a trans person and you know, all you see is what's written in, in the newspapers or on or what's reported, that for you to still be positive towards trans people is, is a miracle, really, the way the press is. And that people are. People are generally supportive. You just look, have to look at, uh, look at what happens. And um, so there is, a dis, there is a dissonance, there is a conflict between what I read in the media and what I experienced day to day. I said that before. And I think that is still true. Um, You know, I really do. But um, on a positive note like that, Jen, I think it's time to sign off for the week. Yeah, it probably um, is. Yeah, well, let's try and be positive. Yeah, let's always be positive. So I'll see you next week. Yeah, see you next week. Great to see you, Jill. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Transvox. It's been a joy to have you with us. Um, if you want to um, make contact with us, you can contact us at gillian at transvox.co.uk. And if you'd like to support the work we do, please go to Patreon and go to page Transvox. And all of our money goes to our nominated charity. And Jen, you've chosen the charity for the next number of episodes. Which one have you chosen? Our charity is called Beyond Reflections, which is a charity that provides support and counselling to trans people, non-binary people and their friends and their families across the UK. An amazing charity doing some amazing work, really important. So please, if you can, give. Great. And if you want to go and have a look at Beyond Reflections, it's beyond-reflections.org.uk. And uh, But as I say, if you'd like to make a contribution to what we're doing, because we love to help the people who help us. Uh, again, if you've got ideas for um, the show, things you'd like to ask us, questions, comments, applause, or um, brick bats, feel free to send it all Absolutely. in to Gillian at transvox.co.uk. Until the next time, goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.